has done and what he's doing and how he has orchestrated things, I, I, I believe, over the years. Um, bottom line is that, that Jesus put it in the uh, rough street language that I understand. Um, he holds my pink slip. Jesus is the Lord of my life and that of my family, so we go where he directs us. But how awesome is it that doing exactly what the Lord says when he says brings us joy? It is, it's my joy to first be a member of this church. And by the grace of God, for as long as he has me here, I will lead um, willingly and joyfully. Um, not because it is my supreme confidence that I can, but in my supreme confidence that he has asked me to. Here, Romans 8, starting in verse 18 through verse 23. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That passage is, is so rich and could be several weeks of sermons as it is, but that passage encapsulates the, the tension and the joy and the reality of the life that, in which we're living right now and the truth of the hymn, Joy to the World especially in the verse that we are taking a closer look uh, into, um, the second verse, we sing, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. What does it mean that the Savior reigns? What does it mean that the Savior reigns? Well, we know, and we have um, in previous weeks looked at His Lordship, looked at the fact that He is Adonai, He is the Most High God. Philippians 2, 9-11 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is is Lord and he is Savior so the Savior reigns he is not just a king he's a Savior but what does it mean that he is right now presently 
reigning. As we talked about last week, there's a tension that we live in right now because while we know and believe that Jesus Christ is Adonai and he is the, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he sits upon the throne and all the other little thrones are underneath that throne, you know, everything from a, from a king's throne to an easy chair, his chair is higher, his authority is more supreme over everything. But the tension we live in is we look out the window and, and we're... Really? Like, really? Pain, separation, broken families, broken bodies, broken neighborhoods, broken cities, broken nations. And we go, what are you doing with your reign? Well, it's because we live, those of us with open eyes, we live in the now but not yet reality that Jesus would very quizzically put, you know, that, that the kingdom of heaven is coming and is here. And we go, which is it? And he says, yes. So, we, so imagine um, a, a, a land, you know, it can be, you can set it in the fantasy realm if you want to, or think about, you know, ancient England and think, think of a land, it's, it's untamed and there's warring little factions and, and violence and depression kind of reigns throughout the land and, and everything's all disorganized and, and, and little fiefdoms and, and little warlords all set up around. And, and, and then imagine that a king has been crowned. You know, like if you want to go fantasy, you know, like, like, like Arthur pulling the sword from the stone and he is the one true king. And so he is crowned king. So it's true that he is the king. Right? But now the work of his, of his kingdom, the work of his reign begins and he begins to quell rebellions. And he, and he begins to make his lordship known throughout the realm. So he is king of his kingdom, and his kingdom is expanding. The, the problem is, you know, so that's not even a, a perfect analogy because we're, we're far too linear, you know, because we live inside of time that God has created for us. God sits outside of time. So every time we're complaining or, or having a, a difficult night of the soul and we're wondering, when is it going to happen? When is it going to come? You know, like, God knows the present reality, like, God knows that he's already done it. God sees Christ's first and second coming as the same action, the same event, Christmas and Easter being the same holiday, the same celebration. Right? I mean, I mean Jesus is currently reigning. Like, if you, you look in Revelation and you see, you know, the, the great throne and all the, the peoples from every nation and tribe and, and tongue and language all gathered around. Like, the way God lives is that future reality is present reality to him. But we're, like, stuck in this yes, now, but not yet kind of reality. And the reason it's so hard for, for, for preachers or for your own heart, for your own mind to, to, to really get a hold of this is because we have fallen minds and we have fallen hearts. Our eyes, while opened by the Holy Spirit, we can't see what God sees. We're still stuck here. But praise God, we can sing about future realities as though we're present. That's what hope is. Just believing that it's going to happen. Believing that it's coming. We know that our king has already been crowned. It's not in doubt. Hope, you don't have to cross your fingers with a hope. You, it's, it's done. With a hope, it's done. He is reigning. 
Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. So we can already acknowledge it. We already know that he's coming. It's going to happen. Right? But right now, the, the kind of nature of Christ's reign, it's, it's heavenly and it's personal. He reigns in the heavens, has supreme authority over all things, but like his, his rule is in the hearts of his people. Right? His rule is in the hearts of his people. God takes from all the peoples. Okay? So God is from all the peoples gathering persons to make a people. Does that make sense? I kind of like the way it flowed when I wrote it. It might not sound as good on the outside of my face. But God is from all the peoples gathering persons to make a people. Like, you're a person, and Christ is reigning in your heart. I'm a person. Christ is reigning in my heart. I pray that Christ is reigning in the hearts of, of my young children. So I'm a piece of his kingdom, and, and Barry, you're a piece of his kingdom. My wife, she's a piece of his kingdom because his rule and reign is established, and it's felt, and it's known, and it's seen in the hearts of his people. And it's my prayer that wherever this heart is, like the immediate surrounding area becomes like a de facto part of his kingdom. We go and like, you know what? Like, like so Crystal Cove, God placed us here, and we as God's people say, this land, this, this, these five acres right here, these belong to the king of kings. These are his. It's like we plant his flag, his cross on this land. We say, this land, um, this belongs to Jesus. And if we were to pick up and move or... Anywhere you pick up and move, out of your chair and you go home or you go to a restaurant, the rule and reign of Jesus is, is right there. So it's here and it's coming. The domain of his kingdom right now, it, it's to, to, I made up a word, it's, it's heartly. It's not yet earthly, it's heartly. Now again, on the outside of my face, that doesn't work as well because it sounds like I'm saying it's hardly. It's hardly a rule and reign. It's hardly a rule and reign. He rules and reigns in the hearts of his people. Now, when he returns, it's going to be an earthly reign where every square inch of this planet is going to be ruled over by Christ. But his reign right now is also heavenly, meaning in the spiritual realms, it's not really in doubt. But like the story of Job, God... To work his purposes, he will allow other, lowercase g, gods. I think he just, you know, humors them and allows false gods to even use the word, right? But like these little false gods, these little, these little uh, rebellious little fiefdoms, he kind of gives them a, a, little, a little leash and allows them, again, for God's greater purpose to, to, to cause a little ruckus, just like Job. Because God sees what Satan doesn't see, and God knows that no matter what Satan does to Job, Job is going to remain faithful because God had already claimed him. He's mine. You can, sure, go ahead, Satan. Try whatever you'd like. But God knew that, that uh, Job's heart belonged to him. His reign his is heartly and it's spiritually. Like the demonic Satan, he can only do what God allows by just letting out a little leash. And again, it's for his greater purposes the, the the most most potent example for me you know as a as a father um about this in the middle of the night i, I woke up 
you, you know how you just wake up when a child is standing next to you and they're face to face and how, how did you know all right well i know lord woke me up and and, and there stands one of my children and, and she she looked white as a ghost i mean she looked pale and panicked and and, and she was shaking a little so immediately the lord helped me it is typically not not the way I really roll. It takes me several hours or days to really wake up. But she was shaking. She was pale as a ghost. And she, and she said, she said, she said there, there's a man in my room. Yeah, that'll wake you up right quickly. So there's a man in my room, and, and he's frightening, and he's trying to tell me things that I know aren't true. And he wants to touch me, and I'm trying to tell him no. I knew exactly what was happening. And I won't tell you exactly what I thought. I edited it. My first thought was, who in the literal hell do you think you are? She doesn't belong to you. And I got out of my bed and I went in that room and I said, you do not belong to She does not belong to you. This is not your house. This is the Lord's house. You will leave. In the name of Jesus, you will leave. Her heart belongs to Him, not you. Leave. Jesus' rule and reign right now, it's heartly. He, he had no claim over the heart of my daughter. Yes, indeed. Amen. And I know, like in, in my heart and in my family, I know the glory of Christ's rule and reign. You know it. And, and your family, your family knows it. This church knows it. But again, you look out the window. Don't you want the world to know it? Don't you want the world to know the joy that comes from Christ ruling and reigning? Would, would, would that you would just bow your knee? World, bow your knee to Jesus. Just bow to Him. He is not trying to rob you, world. He's trying to give you unending joy. Peace. I mean, peace, to quote Harrison Ford in Air Force One, true peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of justice. You look out in the world, and even on its best day, when people aren't shooting each other, you still just don't see the peace that can only come from Christ's rule and reign. We want all hearts to bow. We want all knees to bow to the authority of Jesus, because only joy will come. The song says, Let men their songs employ. Why? Why must we sing? Well, for us, it's not a must to, it's a get to, isn't it? We get to praise Him. We get to sing to Him. Who are we to sing to God? Who are we for God to accept the, the I don't know, gosh, the, the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart? 
Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Our words, our songs are acceptable to Him. If sung from the heart that He has resurrected, wow, what a miracle. God can take our broken voices from our resurrected hearts and He can receive them and accept them as worship. So yeah, men, let our songs be put in employment for the worship and glory of God. Men, let's, let, let their songs employ. See, we have, a, we have a mandate to worship. We have a mandate to worship. We must worship. Because that's why we were created to begin with. We were created to worship. The word purity, the English word purity, means to act in accordance with original design. That's what it means to be pure, to act in accordance with original design. So the word perversion is acting in a way that's not in accordance with your original design. So actually, working in accordance with our original design, whether we're singing or thinking, can be worship. Should be worship. Actually must be worship. Because that's why we were created. We were created not because God was bored, not because God was lonely, not that He just needed a project, He thought it would be fun. God created so that He could be worshipped. We were created for the worship, for the glory of God. But because of the sin... Because of the fall, because of our rebellion against God, we can't. Dead hearts don't worship. They can revel in more death. They can celebrate what brings more death into their death. But, but only what is resurrected can truly worship. Like we can worship. We can. We get to. We not only have to, we get to. We get to worship Him because of the Lamb. Because of the Lamb, we can worship the Lion. Not out of obligation, not out of fear, but out of joy. We can worship out of joy. Um, turn to Isaiah 61 if you have it. If not, you can look up on the screen. Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord, ha the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. These are the words of the prophet Isaiah. These are the words that Jesus quoted to say, I am he. 
I am he who came to bring good news to the poor, to, to release the captives. We were poor. We were captive. We've been set free to worship him. And we have a mandate to worship freely and willingly with joy. Because if we didn't, what did Jesus say to the, to the Pharisees that tried to rebuke him and rebuke his disciples when he march, marched? He rode triumphantly into Jerusalem on the back of the donkey. The rocks will cry out if we don't. Creation will worship him. But praise God, we have been made able. Not just able, but excited. I don't know if you all have... I, I have experienced this lately. And, and in many ways, for the first time in my life, I find myself having this thought in the middle of the week. Is it Sunday yet? Is it Sunday yet? Like the joy that comes from singing and fellowshipping and, and proclaiming. Like, I get to do this. We get to do this. Like, it's a mandate, but because of our resurrection, it's a joy. We have the joy of worshiping Him. We get to take our place in God's creation in worshiping Him. But, we, but like, we won't be alone. Like, not only would the rocks cry out, but the rocks are going to cry out with us. All of creation, all of it, is going to worship God. Will worship God. You can look at uh, Psalm 19. This is why I should take the time to put in some bookmarks. It also gives you time to flip to it. Psalm 19, starting in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving His chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Creation was created intentionally. All of this is not an accident. I mean, look at the stars, look at your hand in front of your face, and know that everything was created intentionally on purpose for the glory of God. Everything preaches a sermon about the glory of God. All things. In the observable universe, I, I love these numbers here. In the observable, in the observable universe, there are over a hundred billion galaxies. Our galaxy has 300 billion stars. So that's 70 billion trillion stars. We, we, can, we can like vaguely, barely understand the term billion. Trillion is like a... Might even, you might as well say that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a purple dinosaur of numbers. Like, you don't, how can you, how can, like that's, a, that's a number so vast we can't comprehend it. Here's one way to help us understand trillion. Um, one trillion seconds ago of time, 
One trillion seconds ago, it was the year 30,000 BC. Yeah, right. So there are 70 billion trillion stars. So that's why the, um, the dead heart of the science fiction author, Carl Sagan, he said about the universe, he said, if there, if there is no other intelligent life, what a, what a huge waste of space. He calls it a, a, a waste of space, an awful waste of space. And to that I say, arrogant blasphemy. Because the universe wasn't created for man. The universe was created for the glory of God. And, and what was created is a reflection of the Creator. The universe is infinitely vast because God is. It's for His purpose. John Piper says, We know the most important thing about every single thing in all the universe. That's a pretty big boast, isn't it? Like, we know the most important thing about every single thing in all the universe, that everything exists to glorify God. We might not always understand or be able to see or discern how exactly right now, but we do know that every single molecule of existence exists to glorify God. What does it mean to glorify Him? What does it what, what does it mean to worship? We, at the leadership here at Crystal Cove, we keep tripping over ourselves because we decided that it is true to not call the team of people up here the worship team. Okay? We're all the worship team. Okay? We don't have a time of worship and then the music stops and we stop worshiping. We're, we're worshiping still. I'm a part of the worship team. You're a part of the worship team. I'm speaking. You're listening. We're worshiping. We're fellowshipping. We're giving of our time. We're giving of our money. It's, it's all worship. It all exists for worship. But what does it mean? We usually think of it in terms of singing. But what does it really mean? And, and how do we really worship? What does it really mean to give glory? Well, I'm a little short of glory today. Do you have any glory that maybe I could borrow? And Because we apparently to worship is to give glory. So... Do you have any? Do you have any glory? Do I have any glory? Well, yes. But guess what? It was borrowed. It's, a, it, it's God's glory, and we reflect it. That's the only way we can give it, is by reflecting it. We're just reflections of it. Just reflections. Again, look in Psalm 19, where we just were a second ago. About the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So we have our sun blazing out there in the middle. You think that's an accident? In the middle of our solar system, blazing this white, hot, radioactive heat and light, and it blasts out into all of our solar system. And we can feel its heat, and, and we can see its light, 
and it brings life and light. Things grow out of the ground because of it. Now look out at night and, and see that big, dumb, useless rock we call the moon. It's just a dusty rock. But when it's full, at night, when it's clear, you can read. By its light? No. By the sun's light reflected off of the moon's face. If we're going to give glory to God, we have to reflect Him. And like one of my Bible students on Friday, she, she wrote in, um, in this Bible study guide, um, she wrote, uh, if you're going to reflect something, you have to look at it. So we look full into His wonderful face, the face of the sun, and we reflect Him. And that gives God glory. Just like the universe is reflecting the glory of God by its vastness. By its infinite vastness, it reflects the glory of God because God is infinite and vast. There is no end to Him. I glorify God by showing the world my heart is now alive. That's my evidence. My heart is alive. Jesus, the Resurrector, brought me to life. My, my hope, my prayer, my desire. Jesus is the head of His church. Look at how I lead my family. Like Jesus loves His bride, the church. Look how I love my bride. I want to reflect God. I want to glorify Him. I want to give Him glory by how I live. I want to give Him glory by how, the grace of God, I lead this church. All Our only hope, meaning literally, our hope is to reflect Him. We must reflect Him. It's our mandate to reflect Him. reflect his work in our lives we reflect his rule and reign and how we are led by him and we join with creation the, the song says while fields and floods rocks hills and and plains repeat the sounding joy what is a reflection but a repeating it's an echo it's an echo of what's true Colossians 1.16 says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Everything will reflect Him. In glory, in eternity, gathered around His throne, because in Revelation it says that Jesus replaces the sun itself, which I think is awesome. It's like God saying, yeah, this was kind of a prop. Not necessary anymore. The sun is replacing the sun. So all of us gathered around his throne for all of eternity will be reflecting him, reflecting his glory. Everything will, even souls separated from him for all of eternity will be a reflection of God's justice. 
Praise God that we are a reflection of His grace. Who were we? We're nothing but vessels of His grace that God chose to shine on. It's all sung so beautifully in, in Psalm 96. And I'll just read this, and this will be our... Um, this will be my closing for the message this morning. Psalm 96, if you want to follow along. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord, the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for He comes. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Let's pray. God, may we be a faithful representation of your glory by celebrating your grace towards us, by our tears that we weep over people that do not know you. May we reflect your glory by proclaiming your truth like light from the sun. May the words of our mouths speak of your truth and may we faithfully live out the great commission to make disciples of all peoples. Like the sun shining on all peoples as the earth rotates, may your message, may your gospel go forward and may your sheep hear your voice and respond in faith that they did not have before, but you poured out freely, graciously upon them. Thank you that we, that I am a recipient of your grace and mercy. I did not earn it. I did not deserve it. I could not. Thank you that I get to join with the rest of creation in bringing you glory and reflecting your glory. Thank you that you are making a people from all the peoples and thank you that you shined your light on this person. I pray that everyone here would know you. And everyone here would be a reflection of your grace. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise you for who you are. In your name we do pray. Amen.